Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. All right, welcome to the 42nd episode of the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to discuss the most underrated career advice ever, and that's communicating with confidence. So many of us are focusing on the words that we say in communication, whether that be an interview, negotiation, or just an everyday conversation with your boss. But what many of us forget is the way that we deliver those words. Does our body match what we're trying to say? Do we appear confident? I have had this revelation over the last month or so that my posture is not the best, and this was a sad discovery when I looked in the mirror and saw that my spine looked like an accordion. So I am personally invested in this conversation. I'm excited to work on my actual body language because it's just so important. So we're going to cover it all with two amazing experts within the world of corporate communication. With 45 plus years of combined experience, Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss are the founders of Rock.Voss, a communication agency that helps companies and C-level executives to produce results. Clients claim Jennifer Rock is calm and organized, even in absolute chaos. And previously, Jennifer led employee communications teams and programs at Best Buy. Clients call Michael Voss every exec's trusted collaborator. And Michael also worked for Best Buy as Senior Director of Employee Communication. According to Johnny Hernandez, an entrepreneur and former Fortune 50 executive, there is a reason they have provided communication support for some of the most recognized CEOs in the U.S., and I wouldn't trade them for the world. Both Jennifer and Michael are authors of Operation Clusterpuck, a BS incorporated novel. The fiction tale includes workplace romances and corporate fiascos all in one, which we will discuss at the end of this podcast. I don't know about you, but there is no one today who would be more qualified to teach you all how to communicate with confidence to help you move forward in your career. Turn your volume up and let's make your life even more fulfilling with our 42nd episode of the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Michael and Jennifer, how are you doing today? We're doing great. Thanks for having us, Chris. Yeah, it's great to be here. Fantastic. I was so excited just from reading your bios and and your website to have you guys on this podcast. And don't know if you know, but my posture is not the best and a (laughs) a bunch of other things I'm trying to work on. So this is just such a treat to have you guys on. I kind of want to hear a little background about your story and how you guys met, but if you guys can take it away with that, that would be fantastic. Sure. So as you had said in the intro, which was very kind, I, uh, you know, between the two of us, we have more than 45 years of experience working in communications in various companies of different sizes with individuals, with leaders, with CEOs and leadership teams. I personally have uh, worked in communications my entire career uh, with advertising, with marketing communications, with public relations, you know, communicating to audiences of all sizes. My claim to fame is that I'm a a really brutal editor. And so um, one time I actually earned the unofficial title of Empress of Slash and Burn. And I think they, I think they meant that as a slam, but that is, I'm going to take that one to my grave. That is the best title I've ever held. So Mike, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. That's awesome. Sure. So, um, you know, I grew up always loving uh, to write and, you know, to the point where I lived out in the country and had a long school bus ride into town and I would spend 
the first four and a half days of the week writing a, a story about all the kids on the bus and then on the Friday afternoon ride home, I would read it to them. I didn't realize it at the time, but um, you know that, that really was pointing me toward what I wanted to do as a career and that was to become mm-hmm. a writer. And when you're, when you're just starting out, you really don't have enough life experience to become a novelist. So I went into the communications <laughs> field and uh, you know, did a lot of speech writing and um, corporate uh, journalism, I guess you would say, over the course of, uh, of many, many years. And when Jennifer and I crossed paths, we realized that we uh, had a shared dream to write a novel. So we did that and we started our own uh, communications agency at the same time. That's fantastic. So you guys, you you both met while you were at Best Buy. We did. So uh, we worked together actually there at headquarters for 12 years, running the communications team there and working with the CEO and his leadership team. Um, Great. Fabulous experience. Um, learned a lot. Got to experiment a lot. Um, we're trusted with um, a lot of important messages that uh, the company needed to communicate and it was a big job. I mean, there was um, 170,000 employees across the world at that company at its peak. And um, that's, a lot, that's a lot of people to communicate. But I would say that good communication principles are good communication principles, whether you're talking to one person across the table or whether you're talking to, you know, almost a quarter of a million people across the world. For sure. For sure. That's a that's a fantastic call out. And transitioning on to our topic, which is nonverbal communication, something that I'm so lit up about. I wanted to set some context here to talk about where this nonverbal communication would be used, because there's just so much application uh, when it comes to that. So I kind of want to talk about the one on one communication within the workplace or in the job search. So talking about interviews, talking about negotiations, talking about just that everyday conversation with your boss or your coworkers. But I just think it's so incredibly important. And to kick it off with the first question, why do you believe that nonverbal communication in that one-on-one workplace context is so incredibly important? You know, I think Jennifer and I subscribe to the the theory that everything you do communicates. Too often we think that communication is just what we say or even just what we do while we're saying something. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, in reality, uh, do you show up for your interview on time? Do you show up early or do you show up late? Each of those things communicates something before you've ever formally communicated anything. And in terms of body language, um, that, you know, we, we sort of view that as body language can go one of two ways. You are either supporting what you say in the body language you use or you're distracting from what you say. And it's really about having the self-awareness to understand and make sure you are doing things while you speak that support and emphasize the points you're trying to make. I, I've heard this theory, actually it was a study, I think it was published in the 1970s that said that most of communication is nonverbal. Do you believe that or do you think that's a kind of a myth? Uh, you know, I, I guess I would say it's probably a 50-50 um, proposition there. Like Mike sure. said, you know, I, I think where it, where nonverbal, you know, overshadows what the words that are coming out of your mouth, I think that's where that self-awareness comes in because, you know, I, I, it's it's kind of like a good movie soundtrack. You know, if, if you can walk away from a movie and think, I loved that movie, and if the soundtrack didn't, if the soundtrack is bad, you remember that. Like, wow, that didn't, that did not match up with the movie. Um, If it's good, sometimes you don't even realize you, if somebody points out like that was the best soundtrack I ever heard, you go back and you go, (laughs) wow, that really added to the experience. 
Yes. Um, but it didn't take away from it. So I'd, I'd say think about nonverbal communication just like that. It's the soundtrack to what you're saying and what the action that's going on. Um, and again, it just boils down to the self-awareness. It can really mess up what the words that are coming out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. It, it, Jennifer, that is such a good metaphor, I would say, because I, uh, for instance, I love the movie Interstellar. I think it's the such a cool movie. And I didn't realize how good this, the soundtrack was by Hans Zimmer until I saw it on, on my Spotify playlist. I was like, you know what? That's, that's really good. And it really did enhance my experience. So um, that's why I said at the very beginning of this podcast, I think it's such an underrated topic. It's almost, it's almost subconscious in a way. Totally. Completely agree. Perfect. Well, the way I want to do this is cover some different areas of nonverbal communication. I'll make the heart of the podcast these different areas. So we'll format it this way. So we'll talk about what is a big mistake that people are making in this area. We'll talk about what people should be doing within this area of nonverbal communication. Then we'll talk about, you know, if you guys have any techniques, exercises, or hacks that might be able to help out, that would be great. So let's launch right into it. Let's talk about tone of voice, which is something I think that's always missed. So what are some mistakes that people are making with their tone of voice and especially within an interview context? Sure. I think the biggest mistake that people make um, is not adjusting their tone of voice to the situation. And, you know, whether it's an interview um, or just even in a business meeting, things of, of that nature, you know, are you is your tone displaying empathy um, when you need to display em- empathy? Is your tone expressing confidence when you are asking for the job, when you are you know, going in for the close and saying, I really want this job? Um, so sure. I think very often, again, we focus so much on what we're saying instead of how we're saying it. Um, to, and to Jennifer's point about that soundtrack, um, you can adjust your tone um, to really help emphasize the points you're trying to make. In an interview, you'll very often be asked to um, tell a story, like tell me about a situation when you had to deal with difficult people. So you can sound excitable, you could sound calm and confident, which is probably what you want to relay. Um, if sure. there was a situation where you maybe had to, unfortunately, um, let somebody go in a layoff scenario, that's when you want to display some empathy and show that, you know, that this um, was not an easy task for you, but you, you know, you found your way through it. So, so I think tone, um, it's just it's a it's about being aware and maybe adjusting it to the situation. Yeah, and I, l- let me just add on to that. And I think um, I'm going to be a, a little stereotypical here, but from a female perspective, from a female tone of voice perspective, I think young women especially um, can struggle with tone of voice in in showing confidence because I think sure. um, I, I think oftentimes young women are told. Um, not to be too assertive in a situation or sure. um, not to not to come off as, as too aggressive. And, and we're not talking aggressive, we're talking confident. But think of how it undermines um, you when you are in a situation like a job interview or you're asking your boss for a raise and everything you say sounds like a question. And I think I'm That's really qualified. Yeah. I'm really qualified to have this raise because I'm really good <laughs> at what I do. And I mean, nothing about it, that sounds confident. It sounds very uncon. You sound very unsure if you deserve the raise or not. That's exactly just. right. And I don't think people realize. I don't think people realize that they're doing that. It just becomes a natural mm-hmm. way that you speak. And so, mm-hmm. it, like Mike said, you know, match the situation, match your tone to the situation. If you're going in to ask for a raise, or you're asking for, you know, I, I think I deserve this job, or I think. 
I would be great, a great addition to your company. Speak in declarative sentences. Think of think of a period, sure. a period at the end of the sentence rather than a question, which doesn't sound very confident. <laughs> I think more people than we realize are using that tone of voice. I use it a lot. You know, sometimes when I'm getting in the mode or maybe when I actually am unconfident with things, I'll you know, start talking like this. Like it really does undermine the message you're trying to communicate and I think that's really important. But let's say I do have the self-awareness of, you know, understanding that I do have the problem. Would you, would you recommend I practice having that specific tone of voice or how, how do you go about changing that bad habit, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think, I think practice is great. It's always great to practice with a partner. And uh, we always um, encourage when we work with executives, when we're coaching them on communication, we'll force them to practice with us. And it's really awkward to practice something with somebody who's just sitting there listening to you and judging you. But that's the point, right? It should be awkward and it should be more difficult um, because then when you're actually in the moment, it's easier because you've built that muscle memory, so to speak. And and I do have one other, you know, you mentioned, um, do we have any hacks or any tips? Um, I do have one um, one technique that really works well to uh, to show confidence. Can I share it with your listeners? I would love that. All right, so we, we call this a strategic pause. Um, and it's, it's difficult when you are in an interview or even if you're in a meeting with a bunch of people and you're trying to get your point across, you don't often want to pause because that's just going to give someone else time to interject and derail you, right? So there's a, there's a, it's kind of a three-part technique in a strategic pause. The first part is the setup. The second part is the pause itself. And then the third part is delivering your strongest message. So in in an interview, it might sound like at the end of the interview, you say something to the effect of, you know what, Chris, if I can leave you with just one thought, it's this. You pause just long enough that it feels almost uncomfortable and then you deliver. This is exactly the kind of job I've been looking for and I would be great at it. So you set it up, you pause, and it, this works really well in a, in a team environment, in a meeting when there's a bunch of people, because when you set it up to make it clear that there's something else coming, people will not interject and interrupt you. So you say, you sure. know what, team, team, everyone, I want to get your attention for a minute. I think if there's one thing we can all take away from this discussion, it's this. We need to invest more in digital marketing. Or, or whatever it is, whatever your point yes, is, you totally set it up, that, by the way. you set it up, you pause, you make, <laughs> you make eye contact, right? <laughs> if you're in a room with a bunch of people during that pause, you are making eye contact with two or three people around the table. You're, you're, you want to bring them in and they're waiting. They're like, what's he going to say next? What's she going to say next? Yes. And then you deliver your strongest message. And, th- and think of how much more confident and how more you're able to hold the room with a, a tone of voice like that, then if you're speaking in questions or you're speaking, you know, with, with, uh, you know, passive verbs, you know, and things like that. I mean, it's, um, and that just comes with practice. It you yeah. just practice, practice what you're going to say. Like Mike said, it's going to sound, it's going to feel awkward, but no one really is a natural communicator. I mean, really, you, you might have some tendencies, but it, um, it really is about the practice. So just to, just to restate that. So set it up. Yep. Hold the room with your paws and then deliver. Totally. That's such a fantastic tip. And I was going to say, you know, as soon as you made that pause, I was hanging on every word at that moment. It's it almost like it breaks up. It's almost like this pattern interrupt that gets me to stop and say, what's he going to say next? Yeah. Exactly. So 
wrapping up tone of voice here, are there any other mistakes that you can think of? Maybe volume, maybe enunciation or things like that. I know I, I, I've been trying to work on this in particular, but my, I'll start to get a little bit croaky sometimes when I'm talking with people one-on-one and it just sure. doesn't sound very good. Sure. And you know, I, I think it's a really important point because so much of what we do, especially in the workplace is either over video conference or over the phone, you know, it's phone conference. And so, um, you know, this is, this is a really tone of voice is very important because um, a lot of times you are not seeing the person that you're talking to. And so, you know, I, I would say, um, think about your volume. If everything, if you're communicating everything at a high volume, then nothing is important, right? I mean, think about, um, you know, taking it down a notch for some messages, taking it up when you're excited, you know, I mean, again, just it's that self-awareness. Um, and then this is a really easy tip, but, um, you know, if you're delivering a, a, a good message, a positive message, especially over the phone, um, smile when you talk. And that, that sounds silly, especially if you're sitting in a conference room by yourself. But when you smile when you talk, your voice automatically becomes brighter. Um, it, it, it becomes a little more, you have a little more emotion in it. Um, and so that's a super easy way um, that, that you can just brighten your voice a little bit when the person can't see your emotion. Such a good tip. And just as an experiment here, I'm going to smile for the next five minutes here. And uh, we'll, I'll, I'll notice it definitely in the quality of the audio. But let's do that as an experiment, even though I'm probably going to forget. So. <laughs> <laughs> Call me out if you see me not smiling here because uh, both Jennifer and Michael can see me on video here. All so. right. We'll, we'll call you out. <laughs> cool. So let's move on to body language. I... I think this is such a big one and this is, I believe this is where posture falls under, which I said is a problem for me. So what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that people are making with their body language? So I can, I can talk about myself. Um, I'm a, I'm a fidgeter. So, and I think some of my, my issues here are shared by other men as well. I think men tend to fidget a bit more than women, not to be too stereotypical about it, but I will sometimes, my, my knee will shake when I'm talking, right? So you do that sort of leg shake thing, right? When you're, when you're having a conversation or I need to have a pen in my hand and I'm clicking it and I'm, I'm twirling it around and those kinds of things. And again, those, those things can send an unintended message that if my, if my, you know, if I'm tapping my foot and my knee is shaking, am I nervous? Am I excited? Am I eager to be done, sure. done with this conversation? If I'm twirling a pen in my fingers, am I bored? Do I wish I was doing something else? Do I have something else on my mind? Am I distracted? So again, I tend to look at all of these types of topics through the lens of self-awareness. Um, and so when I see myself doing these kinds of things, I try to train myself to stop them. Um, but I, I do see other men doing the same thing much more than I tend to see women. Again, not to, not to be too overly broad in that, in that take. Really, the worst thing that I do is I shake my leg up and down, which is a really terrible thing. And so how do you practice that? That just sounds like such a tough habit to get over. You know, again, because it, it's so subconscious in us, what, what I did personally was um, I asked someone who sat across from me in the cube next door and said, tell me when you see me shaking my leg. So, so <laughs> I would start to have the awareness of it. I told my wife at home, same thing. If I'm talking to you and I'm shaking my leg, would you just point it out to me? Um, because I don't want to be doing that, you know, and again, we did a lot of work with executives and there's a, there's a power imbalance sometimes when you're meeting with a senior executive and I did not want yeah. to appear nervous or 
anxious. And so I just asked for help. I asked people around me to, to point it out because again, not to keep beating the self-awareness drum, but that's where it has to start is knowing that you're doing it and then you can train yourself to stop. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, I think those are great points. And, and I'm going to speak from an introvert point of view here. So when I have conversations as, um, you know, I'm kind of a classic introvert, I never know what to do with my hands. I um, either flail them about or I am, you know, crossing my arms because I'm just aware that I don't know what to do with my arms. And I used to have a very big problem avoiding eye contact because it's just uncomfortable to hold somebody's eye contact as you're talking. It's to hard. Them. Especially, it's hard sometimes. Right? Yeah. Especially if you're an introvert because it seems yeah. really kind of intimate and intense. Um, and I worked on that for a very long time because. Uh, again, it's the unintended consequence of your body language. If sure. for me, it feels more comfortable. It used to feel more comfortable if I was avoiding eye contact to the person yeah. I'm to the person I'm talking to. It looks like either I'm nervous or I'm kind of shady or I'm you know like <laughs> untruthful. Yeah, yeah, untruthful. Yeah, or no, I mean, no. Think- That's great. And I like I realize when I those moments when I especially when I don't have energy or haven't had my cup of coffee, I tend to just kind of like look down and stuff. But yeah. uh, Jennifer, you said you worked on your eye contact. But what what were some things that you you did that you think really helped you out with that? Because I, I genuinely want to try that, too. Yeah. And, you know, it's I'm, I'm going to go back to the to the P word here. It's practice. And mm. I, I don't think there is a better way to do this. And this is now this is going to sound really awkward, but. You know, when you, when you go to the mailbox, like I'm, I live in an apartment building, you go to the mailbox and neighbor says, Hey, you know, the, the weather's really nice today. Isn't it? Look at the person in the eyes and say, nice to see the sun, huh? I mean, you know, it just in those little (laughs) moments, whether you're talking to the bus driver or the person, the barista who's serving you coffee or the neighbor at the mailbox, just practice having that eye contact, especially in those small talk situations because those are the easiest, right? I mean, that's one sentence you're saying to somebody, look them in the eyes. It's not a high stakes conversation to talk about the weather. Um, but then when you do have the high stakes conversation with a coworker and you're giving them feedback or you're listening to feedback with them, it'll make it much more comfortable. Yeah. I would add to that uh, to, to, to such pr- good advice. practice it with, with those coworkers that you're really comfortable with. Yeah, really, great, point, you know? great point. So do it in the workplace if you can. Nothing, nothing against the neighbor idea, yeah, yeah. but do it in the workplace with that coworker that you don't need to influence on anything. It's the person you, that sits across from you. You talk to every day. Practice with them, and and you know, pay attention to how you feel. Right when you are making that eye contact, and they're looking back at you, and you can feel the level of influence you have increases in that in that engagement, in that conversation. So practice it with people you're comfortable with, to Jennifer's point, then you can take it into, into more um, new situations like a job interview. Great point. So I want to move on from this because I think there's other things that we can cover here. Is there anything else that you think that we're missing here that would be important for job seekers and just people in the workplace to know? Let's, let's just talk about language for, for a bit here. So, um, you know, we talk about, we talk about crutch words, uh, a lot with the people that we, we, uh, counsel and coach, and I'm not specifically talking about things like ums and ahs, because I think those are, those are pretty natural and common. And I do that. I think a lot of people do that. I think when you overdo that, that's when you don't sound confident. So like if you're in a job interview or you're talking to your boss, 
um, you're going to want to be aware of that, um, those ums and the ahs. But I'm talking about crutch words that seep into what you say and actually undermine what you're saying. So um, the word literally has literally become a problem. <laughs> so a lot of people... Not, not figuratively, but literally. Literally. Right? It's a huge okay. problem. And, okay. and so I, I hear that... I hear that seep into people's conversation a lot, and, and it's, it's like every other word that they say, whether they actually mean literally or not. You know, it's like, literally, I went down to the mailbox, and literally, I was talking to everybody, and then literally, this happened, like, oh my God, stop saying that word. Because after a while, that's yeah. all I can hear you say is that word. And we, we talked to, we, we counseled an executive one time, we worked with an executive that had one of the worst crutch words I have ever heard, and it was... What was it? It was kinda... Oh, that's mine. <laughs> and, and so, so picture. It's so bad. It's it is so bad. It's, no, go go it, on. It kind of is not. A, I mean, it, in and of itself, it's not a bad word. But picture an executive standing in front of a team of people and undermining every single thing that he says by instead of saying um, he says kinda. So something to the effect of. I kind of want to say today that mm. you kind of have done a good job in the last year. And so we kind of want to reward you for the work that you've kind of done. I mean, it, it's a horrible crutch word because it, sure. it, it literally is, and I do mean literally, it is literally um, weakening every single thing that comes out of your mouth. And I think yes. the, word, the word just is another one. Um, and again, it's a, it's a bad word because it undermines what you're saying. So... If, if I start my conversation with you and say, I just want to say this, or um, I, I just want to um, have this idea, you know, tell you my idea. It, again, it, it's a weak word. It weakens what you're saying, just like kind of does. And so mm -hmm. I, I would say, um, you know, record yourself if you have to. Um, again, have, have somebody you know, kind of play a conversation back for you and, exactly. um, and, and just, especially those words like just and kinda, um, wipe those words out of your conversations because it, it really are, they're really not confident words. And sort of, that's my Oh yes, sort of. yes, sort of. That's, that's another one. That's me too. And, and that's if, me. if you think about it in the context of a job interview and you're asked one of those direct questions about how you handle the situation and you begin answering it by, well... I sort of went to my boss and we sort of talked about how we should do this and then we sort of came up with the idea. It doesn't sound confident. It doesn't sound planful. It doesn't sound like you went in with a strategy and you knew what you were doing. So to Jennifer's point, uh, these crutch words very often counteract what we're trying to say and what we're trying to express. Sure. That's also a fantastic call out. And I have learned personally so much about my speaking habits just by doing this podcast. So you talk about recording yourself and playing these messages back to yourself so you can hear what you sound like. And sometimes I've, I've noticed kind of, like I said, was my crutch word. And I'd, I'd say things like, you know, this is kind of an issue that we need to deal with. And it's uh, kind of, and I'm like, Ah, that doesn't really sound like I know what I'm talking about. And that doesn't sound like I'm confident what I'm saying. So and again, it's, it, I don't think yeah. people realize it. I mean, it, you, it, it's just, you're thinking about what you are going to say next. And those are just yes. filler words that we put in there while our brain is coming up with the next word. And so yes. I would say, 
you know, if, if, if you want to work on it, um, at least start with the, start with replacing those kind of sort of and just with um. I would much rather hear an um come out of your mouth at that point than okay. sort of. Um, at least that, you know, use that as the halfway point yeah. and, then, and then wipe yeah. the rest of those out. And, and I think once you get past that point and, you, and you're trying to get rid of the ums, just get comfortable with thinking silently. Because very often that's what those crutch words are. They're, you're giving yourself sure. time to think, but you're doing it verbally. You can, you can slow down. You can take a second, two seconds, to think about what you want to say and then say it. You don't need to make verbal noise while you think. It's <laughs> a great point. And that ties in back with the message that you made earlier, Mike, which is being that pause message, which I think is incredibly important too. Yeah, we. I don't so, think we as human beings are comfortable with silence. Right. And why? Why is that? Just because I, I was. I was about to ask. Why do I have such a hard time pausing and thinking about my message? Why do I have this urge to say um to try to fill in every sentence? Yeah, you know, I, I think part of it is part of it is holding the room. Part of it is is you know not wanting to to um give the you know to kind of give up the floor so to speak. I think for a lot of people, it's also like when I pause, everybody's going to be staring at me. And I think people are uncomfortable being the center of attention that way. Sure. It is for me too. Yeah. And and I think there's also a a bit of human nature in, and again, especially in an interview environment, or if you are in a room full of people and you're trying to make a a salient point, at least I know for me, when someone else is talking, I think of it as my mind, like is spooling up those messages that I want to say. So it just keeps spooling up, spooling up, spooling up. And then when it's my turn to talk, I want to blurt it all out at once Mm, and just keep talking rather than slowing down again and and taking it uh, piece by piece with um, intent and yes. and really making sure people are listening um, because speaking quickly um, is often a, a product of your you, you're stockpiling all those things you sure. want to say and when it's your turn to talk you're going to say them all at once and so just break it down bit by bit make one point then move on to your next point then make your final point and give the person an opportunity to respond. I want to ask a little bit of, this is more of a philosophical question, but practice seems to be kind of the recurring theme on how to get rid of these habits. But is this more of an ongoing thing or is this something that I should just be working on before an interview or before a negotiation? When should I really practice these things? Yeah, I'd say this is a, this is a lifelong skill that you should continue to work on. And, you know, again, Mike and I have been doing this a long, long time and we still practice. (laughs) We still, we still rehearse. We, we still, um, you know, I, I am a big one of, you know, as I am commuting in the car, I will have um, fake interviews with myself <laughs> and, cool. and answer. I, que- I, I, you know, I really like that. Yeah. Right. Answer questions about the, you know, about the book, answer questions about my career and, and things like that. I mean, I, I constantly um, practice and I think um, I, that's really the, the key. I mean, I don't, I don't care if you're going to do a Ted talk or a job interview, or you're going to have kind of an, a tough conversation with a coworker. Um, when it gets to those specific, those specific conversations, the, that specific communication, absolutely prepare for that specific talk. Um, absolutely. You know, it, and here, here's one tip I think works well, and we do this with every single client and executive we work with. Always think worst case scenario. So if you are standing in front of a group of people, if you are in a job interview 
what is the one question, the one thing you hope nobody asks? What is the one thing you hope nobody says to you? What and is prepare for that? And then whatever that is, you prepare for mm-hmm. that. And then anything else is going to be gravy. Anything else is going to be easy. But um, yeah. we, we often t- tell executives that. And again, you know, it doesn't matter what your position is. Think about standing in front of a group of very, you know, thousands of employees and sure. you're in a very difficult situation in the company and you think about that one employee who's brave enough to poke up her hand and, sure. and, and, and take that really pointed question and ask you that. Prepare for that. Why question. do we have budget cuts? Why yeah. why is my family not getting, you know, that's that exactly kind of right. Why did my friend get laid <laughs> off yesterday? Why did my friend get laid off? Yeah. And and you got a raise. Explain that to me, Mr. CEO. <laughs> and Oof. and nobody may ever ask that question. But again, if you prepare for that one, if you prepare in a job interview, going into a job interview and you are prepared to answer that question that says but I don't have specific experience in this specific area that you're sure. looking for, prepare for that question. Because sure. Or what's your biggest weakness? That's yeah. exactly right. They may never ask it, but you're going to feel so much more confident going into that conversation when you know that you have a great answer and you've rehearsed it. Fantastic advice from Jennifer and Michael. I want to make sure we have enough time to cover Operation Clusterpuck, but is there anything else that you think job seekers and career warriors need to know yeah, I think um, Jennifer has one one final tip here on gesturing, um, and and she does a great job of, of talking about um, how you avoid pointing angrily or slapping your hand on the table, but you can still <laughs> still come across as strong and and forceful if need be, but even even less forceful, just confident and sure of yourself. Yeah, and I, I think you know I'm I'm kind of a political junkie from way back, and you can learn a lot by, and I, I don't care what your politics are. You can learn a lot by watching politicians and how they gesture, um, yes. because they have they have gone through tons of coaching. They've been focus grouped to death. Absolutely, um, to see what works with the <laughs> public, right? Asking. And so, yeah. It, yeah, you. I would suggest anybody watch a watch a speech or a presidential debate with the sound off, and just watch how people present themselves, because again, they have been coached better than wow. anyone, and. And again, I don't care what your politics are because we're just talking about communication. But if you watch how Bill Clinton gestured, so my guess is that somewhere along the line, somebody pulled him aside because when he makes a point, I, my guess is that early on in his career, he, he pointed a lot because people do that. That's a natural gesture. Like I'm, I'm pointing at you as I am telling my point. And that's a very aggressive kind of threatening, very, aggressive. very threatening yeah. gesture. Um, and again, it's the self-awareness to know that you're doing it. But somewhere along the line, somebody coached him to actually soften that. So instead of pointing out his, his pointer finger, he curled it into kind of a side fist and then put the thumb on top. So he would gesture kind of with the, the fist at a side with the thumb, and it's a very soft gesture, okay. much more so than having your pointer finger out. And so, I, again, I think it's the self-awareness to know how what you do with your body comes across to the person you are speaking with. And you never want to seem too pointy, too aggressive, your arms are flailing, you know, that kind of thing. Or, or too soft. I think too, too much arm flailing can also distract from your message um, yes. and, and make it seem like it's all light and all airy and 
Um, mm-hmm. We had to let some people go today, and you know, the things like that oh, is no. not not a time to be gesturing wildly with your arms. That's when you clasp your hands in front of you and use your body to demonstrate the gravity of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, I, I'd say that you should watch a political debate with the sound off. You should also videotape yourself and watch it back with the sound off. Um, and again, it, well, when you're practicing, so you're going to practice the top. Not necessarily a presentation. You're going to practice presenting your idea in the team meeting or you're going to you know practice your interview um videotape yourself and then just watch it back with the sound off and be aware of where your eyes are where your hands are um what your posture looks like Um, again it's going to feel really awkward and dumb to do in the moment but it's going to speak volumes about how you present yourself great Jennifer Rock, Michael Voss, you've been incredible guests so far. Your answers have been so specific and detailed. And just once again, kind of hitting home the general themes of the podcast, which are boldness, self-awareness, and practice. Those are the three things that I preach constantly, and I really hope our listeners can take away from our episodes. So thank you for being warriors, and thanks for for your answers so far. Thank Thank you. I do want to make sure that people know how to find out about rock.voss. Do you have a website or, or how does that work? We do. We have um, a website for our business, which is um, rock.voss.com. So um, R-O-C-K-D-O-T-V-O-S-S. And we have a uh, separate website um, where you can buy our books, um, which is rockandvossbooks.com. If you go to either cool. website, you can get to the other one. We link to them. And you can also buy the book directly from Amazon or barnesandnoble.com, um, iBooks on Apple. So anywhere fine paperbacks or eBooks are sold. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to make sure we talk about the book here because I started it last night and I am just absolutely excited to finish it. So what is, what's Operation Cluster Puck about and how did you get that name? <laughs> sure. So um, that's actually the sequel to our first novel, which was BS Incorporated. Um, Operation Cluster Puck continues the story of our big Midwestern company that's spiraling out of control and the, mm-hmm. uh, the middle managers who are just trying to get through the day and make their paycheck while you know, dealing with the bureaucracy and the jargon. And uh, they, they realize that they're the only ones who can save this company from itself. So we take you behind the scenes at a, a big, um, well-meaning, but kind of stupid company and, uh, and all the, the things that happen there. And, and like you said, there's you know, a lot of intrigue, a little romance, um, and uh, a lot of insight of what it's like to work for a, a big company. And Operation Cluster Puck, as a title, um, is actually kind of an inside uh, joke to our fictional employees they work on this, uh, this project where the company is doing an ill-advised um, expansion yes. into Canada, which they should not be doing, but they think it's going to be easy. And of course it isn't. And, uh, it wasn't and the, I'm trying to remember the name of that. It was Operation... Wanderlust. <laughs> Wanderlust. That was it. That was it. And, yeah. But behind <laughs> the scenes, the, comp- the uh, company employees know how messed up this project is. So they call it Operation Cluster Puck behind the backs of the, uh, the executives who are leading the charge. <laughs> That is that is awesome. You can tell it's storytelling is in y'all's genes just because it, I, I'm enjoying following the characters, following the uh, the things that they say. And it's amazing. It's all fiction, but um, it's in the workplace. So I'm sure it was inspired by you know, some things you guys have seen in, in, in the workplace. So 
Yeah, um, ab- absolutely. We, we often have readers tell us, it's like you snuck into my company, took notes on what was going on, and then wrote a book about it. It's so true. And I have, I would say I've been very fortunate to work at companies where I haven't seen a lot of these issues and problems. I mean, unless my own company is like that, which I hope to God now. So I guess I had to ask this, but what, what was the one inspiration between starting the series? Because there must have been one thing that said, I have to get this message or this truth across to to readers sure so you know you've started to read the book um operation cluster pot chris so you you know how the book starts with the um Mm -hmm. the awful meeting that that will opens the door on where the it guy is snoring in the corner and yeah um and he wishes that he could just step right back out and and not be in that meeting um that meeting actually happened so that was years ago and that was an awful four-hour project meeting that Mike and I had to be um, involved in um, oh, that threatened to just crush our souls. <laughs> and um, and yes, the, the IT guy really was snoring in the corner like a dot matrix printer. And um, <laughs> and we uh, ended up in real life. We we escaped that meeting and and went to a bar patio. And uh, over a couple of cocktails, we started talking about how horrible that meeting was. And then started trading some stories and realizing that the two of us over the course of our separate careers had kept copious notes about meetings like that and the IT guy who snored in the corner and people we knew and bits of dialogue. And um, and it really was that moment and that impetus of that horrible meeting where we said somebody should write a book about all this. And then we... It might as well be us. Yeah, it kind of was like, well, why don't we write a book about this? So yeah, it was it was one horrible, horrible four hour project meeting that that started this entire thing off. So how's that for inspiration? The details I would say within the very beginning, that first chapter were were spot on and got me hooked as a reader. So well, thank you for that. Great way to kick it off. So cool. And uh, I believe you said it earlier, Mike. But just once again, so listeners can hear how how do we get the book? You said it was on Amazon or yep, Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com. Um, you can get it direct from our website at rockandbossbooks.com. And we also link to all the other places where you can buy it. So if you are a uh, member of Amazon or any other um, rewards program, you can buy it directly. You can go to our site and buy it, still buy it from those places. Very good. Well, Jennifer Rock, Michael Voss, you've been an incredible guests for this podcast. Can't thank you enough for coming on today. We're going to get those links in the description of this podcast as well. So if you are interested in getting the book, I highly recommend it. I am, I'm deep into it. You can uh, check that out in the description. That sounds good. You guys take care and have a great rest of your day. Thanks. This was super fun. Thanks. And for more on your job search, make sure to check out letseatgrandma.com. That's where you can find our blog, where we post the podcast show notes and so many more articles that will help you in your job search. You can also check out our resume services if you are interested in getting your resume professionally reworked. And please make sure to show us some love by jumping onto iTunes and leaving us a rating. The support from my fellow warriors will show the world how great this podcast is and help other people in their job search. Pay it forward. Thanks, guys, for being true warriors, and thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week.